Let us pray. Holy and gracious Father, open us up to your word. Open us up by your word. Help us to hear these words and hear your word as invitation, an evangelical command that lures us closer to you, lures us to remain in you. Oh Lord, open us up to your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First and foremost, I want to say once again, ladies, happy Mother's Day. Amen. That's right. Today is John, or today I'm preaching on John 15. And I have a confession to make. I preached on this passage twice. And both times I've preached on it, I've struggled with it. The first time was at seminary. This was my senior year. I selected to give a sermon to the whole class and to all the professors. And I had to preach John 15. I did fine, but it was terrible. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, I did fine. They all thanked me. Good job, whatever. But it was terrible. I didn't, I didn't get the passage. Three years later, I was here preaching. John 15. I did fine, but it's still terrible, right? Because I didn't get it. I still didn't get it. I mean, one thing you have to understand about pastors is that they don't always fully understand the passage. And in fact, I never fully understand the passage. It's just that some days I understand more than others. But I'm not the only one. Pastors struggle. We all struggle with God's word. You've read God's word before. It says, what in the world does this mean? How does this work? We've all been there. We've all done it. It's just that I get paid to do that. <laughs> right? What does this mean? But, but so both times I struggle with this passage. Because the, on the surface it begins with such beautiful words. Jesus calls us to remain in him the way a, a branch remains in a vine. That's a beautiful picture. I mean, that's a great picture for Mother's Day. Flowers and vines and branches. I mean, it's just beautiful imagery. Even the repetition, the word remain, it occurs 11 times. And as you hear those words, they're beautiful. You know, remain in me and I will remain in you. I mean, that, that's lovely. Those words are lovely. You even can think of some of those songs that we have that we've sung growing up. You know, uh, you are the vine, we are the branches. I mean, that's a lovely tune, a lovely passage. It's just that when you get a little low, deeper in the passage... There's a real edge to it. You see, this passage has an edge to it because Jesus says that if you remain in him, then you will bear fruit. That's difficult. Because when all of us look at our own lives, we kind of look like that cluster of grapes with no grapes on it, right? I mean, we, we wonder, well, what fruit? We're supposed to love you, and we're supposed to love one another, but... I don't know if I really like one another, let alone love them. And so we struggle with this passage. And, and so the image of a knife pruning and of fire and burning, that's a scary passage. And so we struggle with it. But then right when we're ready to have despair, it ends with verse 11 that says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And you're going, What? How can fire and pruning be joyful? I mean, it's beautiful, and then it's scary, and, and now I'm supposed to be happy? What's going on, Jesus? What do you mean in these words? Well, 
Now you can see why I struggle. And so the only thing I can do is, let's just start from the beginning and try to make some sense of this. So chapter 15, we'll begin with verse 1. And I don't have to go very far. Jesus says, I am the true vine. This is the last of the I am statements. I am the true <coughs> vine. Now that image of vine is very important for Israel. The psalmist talks about God bringing Israel out of Egypt, planting it as a vine in a good land. Isaiah the prophet made up a song about Israel the vine. Hosea spoke of God finding Israel and making and planting it where, where grapes would grow in the wilderness. If you know your Old Testament, you know what they also say about this vine of Israel. Something always goes wrong with that vine. Foreigners ravage the vineyard. Wild beasts uproot it. The vine that God has planted that should produce good fruit produces wild fruit, the prophet Jeremiah says. When Jesus says, I'm the true vine, He's making a statement about himself. He's saying that he is what Israel could never be. Jesus is the faithful, faithful vine. He's the faithful one. His fruit is good fruit. Jesus is the one who's truly obedient to God. Israel could never be obedient to God, but Jesus is. Now this is important because what day is this that Jesus is speaking this? Chapter 15 of John. We always forget that. He's been in the upper room. They're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before he's going to die. Jesus is being obedient to the Father. He's going to pray, not my will but thine be done. And Jane, thank you for sharing that with us. But, but not my will but thine be done. Jesus is the obedient one. He's going to die on the cross the very next day. So he is the true vine. He is the one who produces the good fruit. So Jesus is making a tremendous statement about himself. He is what Israel could never be. And yet Jesus is saying this more than just to puff himself up. He's also saying these words about him being a vine to give us hope. I can't help but think of mothers when I think of this vine. Mothers, when you, when you became pregnant... Your child in you, inside your womb, needed you, right? You had to give sustenance to this child. The child, didn't matter what was going on, you had to feed that child. You had to eat pickles and ice cream. <laughs> the child needs it. Or, right, all you men know about these runs at 11.30 at night to the store. I'm not going to go there, it's Mother's Day. Right? We all know it. Right? Because the child needs it. The child's dependent on the, the womb. Depend on the mother feeding it. Well, that's what Jesus is saying here. When he's saying, I am the vine, you're the branches. He's saying, you need to depend on me. Remain in me. You're connected to me. I am so connected to you that... that I will provide everything you need. With me, there's always enough. With me, Jesus is saying, 
I will care for you and nurture you and forgive you and everything else you need for life. In fact, verse 4, he says, remain in me. I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You need me, Jesus is saying. Or verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, right? So Jesus say, remain in me, abide in me. He's inviting us, luring us to remain in him, to abide in him. He's even commanding us to abide in him. Now, there's a funny thing about commands, and you heard me say this before. There are some commands that you have to do, right? You have to pay your taxes, well, most of the time. You have to go to the dentist. But with love, the command is, is always an invitation. And I've shared this before. Husbands, if your wife commands you and says, kiss me, if you say, do I have to? Right? Big trouble. This is invitation, Jesus is saying. I'm inviting you. I'm commanding you. Abide in me. Because with me, there's more than enough. Many of you might remember a few years ago, the Jacksons, um, Charles and Ania Jackson missionaries, visited from Tanzania. And there they shared a powerful story about God providing enough. They work as doctors, or they work for a clinic in Tanzania, and they were visiting a remote village where this little infant was basically dying. The mother died, and there was no milk for this child. And so they were trying to give the child goat's milk, and it didn't work. Well, Anita was out there, and she's talking to the other lady, and said, well, why won't you, you know, nurse him? And they said, well, there's just not enough milk for our own children and this child. And Anita said, with Jesus, there's always enough. Why don't all you mothers just feed them a little bit? Not all of it. Don't, you know, still feed your children, but, but just feed him a little bit, all of you. Well, they agreed, but they doubted it. Well, the Jacksons were able to visit three months later, and boy, that baby was thriving. And the mother said, there was enough milk to feed our own and this child. They visit a year later, and that little child's the fattest of the bunch, right? <laughs> but Jesus, there's always enough. And that's what he's saying. He's inviting us to abide in him, to remain in him, because with Jesus, there is always enough. There's enough righteousness for you. With Jesus, there's enough forgiveness for you. With Jesus, there's enough good works for you. Jesus is all you need. And that's what he's saying. I am the true vine. I have enough for you. Rely on me. Trust in me. Cling to me. Good words. Well, Jesus continues. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit... He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I think these are the words that start getting us to worry, right? God is the, you know, the gardener, the vine dresser, and he's going to prune us. Now, if you've ever been to my house, you know what it's like when I'm pruning. We have a potato bush in front of our house that grows really big. And I don't like pruning it 
four times a year and trimming it. So I just cut the thing down to next to nothing. The first time I did this, Jamie cried. Every time I do this, Jamie calls it the massacre of Midway City. <laughs> I prune this thing down to nothing, right? I mean, I don't want to do it four times a year. But I'm a novice. I don't know how to prune. I just get the chopper out and I just take it down to almost nothing. But that's not how God is. God is the expert gardener. God knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly how much to prune. When he prunes, he's pruning for more fruit. When he cuts off, it's because the thing was already dead and there was no life in it. That branch had decided to cut itself off. All he's doing is just removing it. God knows exactly what he does when he prunes. He's a good gardener. When I think of this, I can't help but think of Herb Stifle. If you ever go to Herb's house, you know that in the back are a lot of plants that people have thrown away. People throw these plants away. Oh, they're, they're dead. There's no life in them. Well, Herb sees those plants, takes them out back, gives them some care, love, sun. And before you know it, those dead plants are alive. They're, they're thriving. Herb understands plants. So many of us don't. I share this because when Jesus says that God is the gardener, the vine dresser, it's important that he's the vine dresser. Because I think many of us have loved ones or we even think of ourselves as too far gone, too far dead. We've, we've left them for dead a long time ago. We've kicked them out to the curb. There's no hope for them. Thank God we're not the vine dressers. Because God knows each and every branch. God knows what care he has to do to bring that, that what appears to be dead branch back to life and to flourish. If it needs fertilizer, he'll do it. If it needs cleaning, he'll do it. If it needs a little choppy, he'll do it. Because he's the good vine dresser, the good gardener. No dead is too dead for God. In fact, there's a wonderful wordplay that happens with the word he cuts off. That word prune can be translated God prunes or it can be translated he cleans. It's the same word. And this is important because when you're taking care of a vine, often vines will get mildew on it. And that will keep it from producing a lot of, of grapes. And so the vine dresser has to go out there and he has to wash the vine, clean it up so that it will produce more fruit. That's why verse 3 is so important, because it says, you are already clean. Same word. Because of the word I have spoken to you. Right? So the, good, the vine dresser has so much skill, so much ability that he will prune when necessary, but he'll also clean when necessary, because he knows what he needs to do. He needs to take care of that vine. He needs to provide for that vine, care for that vine, love that vine. And so he does. Now, I can't help but think of that word cleanse because you think of water. And you think of Jesus who, that very night, a few hours earlier, what was he doing with his disciples? Washing their feet. <coughs> then, later, the next day, what happens when his side is pierced? Blood and what? Water comes out. Right? Jesus, to the woman at the well, says, I will give a living water that will spring up within you. 
The master gardener has this water, which is the word. And it produces life in that which is dead. And so in baptism, when we have a baptism, is it the water that's most important? Any of you have been to confirmation, is it the water that's important? No, what is it? It's the word. And that's what Jesus is saying in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word. Because you've been united to Christ. Because his word is working. It's producing fruit. It's producing life in you. You who are, who are dirty, it's cleaning you. You who are full of sin, it's forgiving you. Jesus' words have so much life in them. Right? Words such as, as, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Or Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Or the words, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Or come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus' words are so filled with love and care. He cleanses us. He produces life in us. And yes, when we get a little lazy, he might have to say, go and make disciples of the whole earth, of the whole world. Get going now. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I've commanded you. But then the promise comes back, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. His words are so filled with life, so filled with love. And it's those words that God uses to create faith in you and to sustain your faith and to produce wonderful fruit. In fact, that's why he's able to say down in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How, do fruit, how does fruit occur on that vine, on the branches? What's that? Love. Yeah, God's love. God's love, sending Christ, Christ speaking his word, uniting you to the branch, and then sending the Holy Spirit that produces such love. Right? We love because Christ first loved us, First John says. What happens to those who hear God's word? They produce fruit. They love because they've been loved. And they share the message with those around them. They share the message to the world. Now I know, again, we get just a little nervous because it doesn't look like we have a lot of fruit in our lives. I think that's a good thing. Because, and here's what I mean by it. If you ever get to the point where you're so enamored with your own fruit and everything that you're producing, if you ever get to the place that you go, wow, I have such good works in me. Whoa. God is so lucky to have me? Man, I must be saved because of how good I am. If you ever get to that place, then you're looking a little too much at your own fruit and not the vine, nor the vine dresser. If you ever get to that place, <laughs> hang around my kids for a few hours, they'll, they'll take it away. From <laughs> but, but if you ever get to that place, 
then look at Jesus and cling to Jesus. Because if your heart is ever that sure of your own self, cling to Jesus. For the rest of us, when we have our doubts and our worries, what's Jesus saying in this passage? He's saying, cling to me as well. Open my words. Receive my sacrament. Love your neighbor. Know that you're connected in me. And just hold on tight. I'm more than enough, Jesus says. His righteousness is more than enough. So remain in him. He's inviting you to. Open his word. Stay close to him. You might just find joy as well. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.